Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish podcast. Hello and welcome to Fulhamish Extra, your extra helping of Fulham FC content. My name's Sammy James. Thank you for listening to the show today. Slightly different timings on the podcast this week for obvious reasons. Today we're going to be looking back at Thursday night's defeat at Manchester City in the Carabao Cup. Our Carabao Cup dreams over yet again for another season and looking ahead to Monday night's huge Premier League clash at the John Smith Stadium. Uh, Huddersfield Town lie in wait. We're going to be speaking to Terriers fan Lee Pearson uh, in just a moment. But first, uh, let me bring on to the line Dom Betts. How are you doing, Dom? Not bad, mate. Not bad. How are you? Yes, very good, thank you. Uh, using the genius technology of myself and yourself being in two different studios, but it sounds like we're in the same place. Exactly, mate. Exactly. We've done a rodeo before, haven't we? Yeah, we have. We've done, we've done a bit of it. Um, just before we speak about Man City, Dom, we just got to say... And that Fulhamish is nominated for the FSF Awards once again. again. Club Podcast of the Year. Have you got your suit ready? Well, because I've only got one, yeah. Um, <laughs> so it'll be the same one I wore last year, same one I wore for my graduation, same one I wore for my sister's graduation, same for my cousin's wedding. So yeah, do have one ready. Dom, you're nothing else but consistent and uh, exactly, you've, you've mate, got exactly. to admire that. Uh, well, thank you to all of you that nominated us for the award. We don't really know how the judging process works for the FSF, but it certainly helps uh, that you nominated in your, us in your droves and it put attention to what we do and we, uh, we massively appreciate it and this show would be nothing uh, without you listeners. So thank you very much uh, for your contributions every single day, whether it's sending us emails or giving us three word reviews. Uh, we hugely, hugely appreciate it and we're very, very grateful uh, for the nomination by the FSF. Right, Dom, uh, it was a 2 0 defeat to City last night. What three word reviews came in that you liked? Uh, Nathan Vince with more compact defence, which I'll agree. I mean, yes, we lost 2-0 and City probably put the put off the gas when they got to second, but I thought we looked much more solid at the back yesterday. I mean, I think uh, if, we, if that game was about a month ago, we could have seen it about five. So I think, yeah, uh, yes. And then I th- and actually another one was uh, slowly coming together. It does look like that. Uh, Mitro's gone dire from Dan Winter. Obviously, it's been quite a long time since he scored a goal. I mean, obviously, his last goal was against Watford. Um, and we'll also go with, from Chris Threadgold, deflection, Diaz, defeat. Indeed. Well, uh, I'm not sure I can agree on that Mitro one. I think that was a little bit harsh, but I do respect the the pun at the same time. It's quite hard. It's my head rolling over my heart there. Love the pun, but also think it's a little bit harsh. Uh, just to say that Fulhamish this season is backed by Labricks for exclusive specials and promotions. Head to bet.fulhamish.co.uk. Well, Dom, you were one of the hardy souls that made it to the Etihad last night. How many do you think were there, roughly? 400, I think, is I'll say around now. I was quite surprised actually that many made the trip. I was expecting like Bolton away 2014 levels, which was like, or I think it was beginning of 2015. It was, uh, what was it 120? But no, for 400 fans there last night. I mean, when I, when I obviously went down from my pint early, it looked like it was more stewards and police than actual fans. <laughs> but uh, it seemed a bit overkill. But um, yeah, no, 400, which is good, good effort to be fair, considering we played in the league, what, only a month or two ago. And yeah, well, it, wasn't, it wasn't actually a bad game, to be fair. No, I guess being in the centre of Manchester, I mean, I know several Fulham fans that live and work in Manchester. It's not too difficult uh, for them to get to. But yeah, for the Hardy Souls that went up there, um, big, big respect. 
because uh, it's not as a long way on a Thursday night when there was no trains back. Dom, you were treated though to a pretty much first team. Let's touch upon that lineup. Um, apart from maybe the defensive duo at centre back, it's pretty much what you were all hoping for on the podcast on Monday. Yeah, I mean, in I terms mean, of a first team, maybe not the team yeah, you would have expected. Yeah, yeah. In, for the in, cup. in a first team, it's what I expect. So I, I think Maxime Lamarchon and Alfie Mawson will be our starting centre back, double, sort of double going forward or duo going forward. And I think I would I wanted to see the youth team players play because when if they're not going to play them in this sort of game, when are you going to play them? Yeah, it's it's that's the only reason why you can talk about oh we got this great academy and stuff, but if you're not going to play the players in games like this, I mean, it's not like I'm not saying it's a throwaway game, but they need to get proper first team professional experience this is a good game to play them not like a whole team of youngsters but like the ones we want to see progress to the first team like Steven Sesto and like Luca Della Torre and like Matt O'Reilly but obviously we knew Matt O'Reilly wasn't going to be playing because I think he did 90 minutes on um, Monday night in the 23s against Norwich I believe so but you know it's pretty much full strength team which, which caught me by surprise actually when I got announced and I saw it in the pub but First strength team but he seems to be continuing with Reem and Adoy at centre-back, I listened to the conversation that you guys had on Monday and it seemed fairly unanimous that Maxine the Marchand and, and Alfie Mawson should be our centre-back pairing going forward from what you guys said. I know that's not what everyone listening's uh, opinion is, but he seems to be welded to that Ream-Adoy partnership when just clearly Tim Ream, as great a player as he was last season, and I don't know if it's because of the injury, I don't know if it's because of the step up in quality, but he doesn't look up to the pace at the moment and, and Slav keeps sticking with him. Yeah, I think another reason why you pick them is because you know there's a partnership there. You know they know each other's game. And if you're playing Morton and Lamarchon, you've got to wait time for them to build a partnership. But I thought this game would have been the perfect game to do that, especially with Rico and goal. And you could, I mean, if you're going to see a goal, how good a goalkeeper's going to be or how good a defensive sort of partnership's going to be, this is the perfect game for it because you're going to get absolutely peppered by Man City with waves of attacks. I mean, we never really looked like we were in serious contention of, of winning this game. And, and when Man City pick their second string but it still includes Gabriel Jesus and and Kevin De Bruyne and Leroy Sane then we're always going to be in a lot of trouble yeah I mean they were they were getting down through Leroy Sane quite a lot I didn't think Fossey meant to have the greatest of games against him but I think defensively we did look a lot more maybe not solid but they looked more of a unit than just sort of five sort of different players playing on the pitch I think they looked a lot more like they had been working on something on the training ground and I think Rico didn't do his sort of claim to be our first choice goalie any justice I mean apart from one dodgy punt I don't really remember him making really mistakes and to be fair Man City didn't like test Rico a lot of times. I hit, I hit the woodwork a few times, but I, he didn't have to make loads of saves like you'd expect him to. It was quite, it was quite an odd one. What was the atmosphere like? Because, I mean, I certainly wasn't expecting anything other than a, a routine defeat. It is so odd to go into a game at a team that's in at your level in terms of division and just be so apathetic to, to what happens on the pitch. What was the feeling in the stands? Were people getting frustrated with the Fulham performance? Or is it just a realisation that even at the second string, we cannot get anywhere near this Man City team? Yeah, I think everyone was sort of, everyone was sort of not, not laughing at the performance, but sort of feels like, yeah, we're here, we know we're going to lose. We're having a nice time on a Thursday night in Manchester. I think it was that sort of atmosphere. It was, it was quite a jovial atmosphere, to be fair, because everyone's like, we know we're not going to get anything, so... Yeah, let's have, let's have a nice time while we're here. I mean, there was like one Man City fan who were like giving it to the Fulham fans. I was like, what are you doing? There's like 400 of us here, mate. 
Um, Diaz got the first goal and it was a bit unfortunate. It took a huge, huge deflection off Mitrovic. And whilst you can't say that the goal wasn't coming, they didn't really test Rico all that much up until that point. Certainly defensive-wise, even though I still don't think Tim Ream had his greatest game from what I saw in the stream, we just did look a lot more solid. It's given me some hope that maybe Slavisa has started to do some defensive coaching. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the best defence we've looked since that second half against Watford. I mean, I know you can say City only scored two because they probably took the foot off the gas. But for me, I think we, we did show some positive signs last night. There was definitely things I could take from the last night's game, which I think I, means we can get a result on Monday against Huddersfield. Would you prefer, though, to see the youth? Or do you think actually Slav was sensible in, in, in picking a first team? Because that was that was my thought. And when I listened on Monday and you were saying, oh, I might like this youth player here, I might like this youth player there, I'm just not 100% sure in the short term whether there's much value in, in, in picking the kids at the moment. We're clearly in a predicament um, in the Premier League and surely prioritising players for that albeit either resting them for Monday or giving them some more match sharpness so they're ready for Monday, had to be the number one priority. Yeah, but I, I'm not, I, do, I did want to see majority of first team, but I do think just playing two or three youngsters isn't an issue. I think it's actually, you might actually get a better performance out of them than you are against the first team, because first team feel, oh, we're not, we're not, we're not, it's not an really undroppable, but one good performance, it's going to put you in the team. Because not everyone, no one's really been playing well recently, and I think I'm not saying play a whole team of youngsters, but I do think you, it was a good opportunity to play youngsters who we want to see progress into the first team and sort of see how they. Well, if there's no point thinking they can progress into the first team, because, oh, Man City are too good, don't play them. But if one's progressing into the first team, these are the two caliber of teams they're going to have to come up against. Uh, what were your thoughts on Angisa and Seri and Kearney in the middle? Um, as much debate as to where exactly Angisa fits into this team but I think when him and Seri are doubled up and Angisa's not having to gallivant all around the pitch because of Cyrus Christie's weird marking instructions I think it just looks so much more solid in the middle that and especially with the addition of Kearney as well it gave me a lot of hope going into Monday's game that it is that midfield three and it's not beyond Slav levels to pick that team for the cup and then go back to Kevin McDonald and Steph Joe on, on Monday night by all realms of possibility but if it is those three I've got a lot of hope going into Monday yeah, I think for me, Anguissa actually it was not impressive, but he was more, a lot more disciplined, I guess you can say. He, when he was playing at the, of the Anchorman role in, in the system and he was occupying that role. He wasn't drifting forward too much. I know you're not going to be doing that if you're away to Man City, but I think he did he did do the job quite well. And Kenny obviously showed that he didn't have the best game, but he, he, he didn't have a bad game. No one really like shone through, but I think it shows that that system is working and we, we've missed Kenny, that we need him sort of... To, to play that player to move the ball from the midfield into the attack, and I think, you know, we we've seen when we all our best players have been fit, we can play very good football in this division. We saw that against Burnley, we saw that in the second half against Watford. So I think it's just a matter of time of working with this team. And yes, it needs to sort of click on Monday because we need to get three points, and then obviously we'll away to Liverpool for the international break. But then it's a huge game when we come back against Southampton, and I think it's just make, making the midfield tick and making the defensive more organised. And I did see sort of glimpses of that last night. 
What did you make of Kearney? He played the full 90 minutes, so you would it would suggest that he's back up to pretty much full fitness. Probably quite a good game for him to come back into. There weren't too many tackles flying about for, from Man City. It was probably an ideal scenario for him to get some minutes under his belt without the threat of being, I don't know if we were playing... Um, Burton or, or a lower league side he might have been facing really strong tackles all night but it was probably quite a nice untesting environment in terms of the physicality for him to come back Yeah it was a very good game for him to sort of come back and make his first start because I think yeah, as you said you're not going to get those physical challenges from the Man City side, it's not what they're about and I think yeah Kearney we have missed him but I, and I think he's probably about 90% ready at the moment I think for come Monday night he'll have a few more days training, a, a, maybe a day's rest in between and then he'll be ready and raring to go to lead the team to the three points on Monday night and I think that this return of Kearney is really needed especially in the games we've got coming up considering you know, Huddersfield and Southampton are two of our next three games and you've got to be thinking well you've got to get six points out of them if you're going to stay up because because, again, you, you say, OK, you take the point away from home, but not when you're playing a team who's somehow below us in the table. So I think, and then you look at Southampton, you've got to win your home games against the teams in the bottom half of the table. Against top six, I'm like, yeah, you don't really expect anything. And obviously, unfortunate for us, Watford and Bournemouth have started the season phenomenally well, you know, sixth and seventh in the league. So I think, yeah, the next two of the next three games, I mean, you, we have to be targeting wins here. We can't say, oh, we can get a point here. It's getting to that stage now where we need to get wins on the board. 100%. Well, we'll touch on Huddersfield in just a second. What a quick word about Mitrovic. Um, there was that three-word review at the top of the programme that you mentioned, Mitro's gone dire, and he is someone that's been exempt from any criticism up until now, but he didn't offer an awful lot uh, against Cardiff or Bournemouth, really. Uh, and last night as well, he was fairly anonymous. It's difficult when you're getting a lack of service. It's difficult when balls are being fired into you and there aren't players in and around that, you know, the ball can bounce off you and you can try and work with. He is very isolated up there. But sometimes striking a bit of a figure to me that has an attitude that says, well, it's really difficult. I'm really struggling here. And therefore, I'm not going to quite give 100% for this particular situation. It, it, it is hard to criticise him because the scenario is so difficult for him. But would you be expecting a tad more from Mitra at the moment? Yeah, I think, I think you have to expect, expect more from Mitrovic. I mean, he, the system isn't helping him. I, I, do, I, I do think that, but he doesn't, he, he's, he's playing a bit too... If we look at the game on the weekend against Bournemouth, his average position was around the halfway line. And that's not where you want him. You want him in around the 18-yard box, inside the 18-yard box. And I think with Kearney coming back and a switching to a more 4-2-3-1 than the 4-3-3 or the 4-1-4-1 we've been playing, I think that it's just going to help. Because he, he, for him to be as good as he can be, he needs to have bodies in and around him. He can hold the ball up, but he needs players to work off. And he hasn't had that much recently. And I think, so with Kearney coming back, I think it will, you will see an upturn in Mitrovic's form. I think what it is for me, Mitrovic is clearly a confidence player. Like he came into Fulham and he, he he's barely stopped scoring really since he got here. He is so if he's high on confidence, he'll keep banging in goals because when he's high on confidence, I feel like Mitrovic creates things out of nothing. You look at that second goal that he scored against Brighton. I mean, that was a chance literally from nowhere, but that was a time where Mitrovic was flying. Uh, he was top scorer in the Premier League. And and that's what we seem to be missing a bit from Mitro at the moment are the magic things where you go, wow, you've just created a chance when there wasn't a chance 
to be had. And I just wonder if that's a, a lack of confidence from Mitro's part. Hopefully, though, against Huddersfield, he'll get a bit more of the ball uh, against a Huddersfield side that's low on confidence. Uh, and maybe if he can bang in a goal, then we can start seeing Mitro going, uh, reigniting the fire again. Let's look ahead to Huddersfield on Monday, Dom. Uh, you did touch in the last podcast about which lineup you'd like to see. For me, personally, I would like to see the exact same lineup as Thursday. But I'd like to see Lamarche on and Mawson. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a, I think that's the same for me because I think that you need to see what these two centre backs who we've signed in. They're clearly both Premier League quality, and Reem and Adoy we didn't know. I mean, Adoy sort of he's, he he didn't came come into the team by chance, but he sort of came in because oh, Callas wasn't playing well, there's injuries, and he did very well for us. But I think you know Tim Reem and Dennis Adoy, they're great. They were great for us last season. Don't get me wrong, but Mawson and Lamarchon for me are just that step higher. And yes, you look at Maxime Lamarchon, he's made mistakes this season, but he's probably made the least amount of mistakes out of any defender. He's just oh, it's unfortunate the couple of mistakes he has made has led to goals. And I think, but that's also when he's been playing left back yeah. we've seen when he's been playing through the middle he's great and the only problem for Mawson is can he adapt to playing on the right hand side of a centre back partnership because obviously he played on the left hand side for Swansea for so many times sort of pinging the ball across to the right back but I think yeah Mawson he's clearly capable he's been he's been called up to England squads in previous sort of years and I think yeah those two should be our two centre backs going forward but I mean I mean, it's, and then if they do it's up to Tim Ream and the Doy to sort of push them out the side and it might spur them on to actually build themselves up to be Premier League quality What I could see being more likely though on Monday I could see Lamarchon playing. I could see it being instead of Tim Ream, but I more likely reckon that Lamarchon and Adoy are going to be the the centre back partnership on Monday. You saw Lamarchon come on for Ream with 20 minutes to go last night. Ream, once again, that second goal, you could just see he he just lacks that yard of pace to to fully compete at that level. Would you reckon probably a little bit more likely that we'll see one out of two of our desired centre back partnership? Yeah, I, I would love to see both, but I can't see Slav doing it. And I, I, I mean, it's. I think we need to. We have to play at least one of them. I mean, we have to. We can't get away with playing Ream and Adoy. And yes, I mean Huddersfield haven't improved a huge amount since we last played them. But like, I think for us, it's all about just we need to stop playing our best team, not sort of getting stuck in this whole sentimental value of oh, they did well for us last season, they've got this partnership. I think you need to start building what is our best team. We need to get the points on the board. We need to be playing our best players in a system that suits all our players, which the 4-2-3-1 does. And I think we've got to start to stick with that. We need some sort of continuity. That's why Wolves sort of seem to start the season so well. I mean, they make, they, what they, when they didn't change their game for the first team for the first couple of months. So I think for us, yeah, it's all about... <clears throat> It's all about just continuity now, I think. And hopefully we've got a bit of continuity in terms of the midfield, the strike force. Timothy Fossi-Mensah is back. You imagine Ryan Sessegnon is going to stay at left-back uh, and for the foreseeable future until Joe Bryan's back in the side. Um, looking at the game on Monday, where do you think it could be won and lost? This is a Terrier side that has got very little confidence at the moment. Um, they got played off the park, really by Watford two brilliant goals from Watford but also it highlighted that whilst this Huddersfield team is struggling to score they're not exactly Wars's height at the back either no and one thing I spoke to a Watford fan after the game and he was like saying to me that Huddersfield did come and they didn't just sit back they did try to come and actually play a bit of football and they said they restricted to a lot of their chances from long range but they still tried to come out so it gives us I know it's just worrying because our defence is absolutely awful but it also gives us confidence that there's going to be that space in behind which we can sort of get in behind them and create chances they're not just going to sit back and there's a home game they haven't won at home in so long or even scored at home this season I believe so I think we need to sort of I think we need to get them from, get them from off get the fans on, their, on the team's back 
back, basically. And then I think like it's it's an easily winnable game. I mean, when they went up and we didn't, they went, well, we put nine goals past them. So <laughs> I think it's it's a game when we it's important for us to win. And I think we do have the op- we do have the sort of ability to do it, and I just think it's about us how we need to set up in the right way. And I also, and I think, yeah, we need to sort of get in Huddersfield and get the fans on their back because they know if they don't win this game, they're in serious, serious trouble. Well, it's two teams that are lacking for confidence, so the cliche of the first goal is going to be very important, I think, could really ring true. I think if Huddersfield get that first goal on Monday, I will be seriously concerned because that stadium can be rocking. Uh, the John Smith Stadium. They've got some very good fans. They very ne- they very nearly always pack it out ever since they've been back in the Premier League. And that if they get if they sniff blood, that they could get their first win. A bit similar to the way we found ourselves at Cardiff. It, it, we could be in for an ugly night. Yeah, exactly. And I, but also, th- I also think this game's. I think it's different to Cardiff because Cardiff. You know, we Cardiff may not have sort of. The best, the best team, but they do have. They seem to do have this way of playing that can get results if they get it right. Whereas Huddersfield, I don't really, you don't look at Huddersfield and sort of know what they do. If you know what I mean, you know what Fulham are going to do. You know, we're going to pass it out of the back when they try to do that. You know, Cardiff going to pump up to the strikers and get get out wide and whip it in the box. Whereas Huddersfield, they haven't really got this identity or a game plan, as far as I'm concerned. And I think, yeah, it's it's, it's just a huge game for both teams because let's say let's say we win, we're going to be level, we would we would be level on points if West Ham or Crystal Palace lost. Yeah, and you, exactly. and, I mean, we'd be level on points with the team in 13, 14. So the, the, this, this game and, and, as, and one against Southampton, which I mentioned earlier, are so key and it have to be, we have to win this. There's, there's no, I don't think you, can't, you can think about it any other way. Well, let's get a Terrier's perspective on the game on Monday. I spoke to Huddersfield fan Lee Pearson uh, and started off by asking him how much of a massive game this is in Huddersfield season. Well, talking to most of the fans, I think if we lose on Monday night, I think we're resigned to basically championship football next season because it's Fulham not got the best defence if we can't score against a defence like that then we pretty much are resigned to going down it's one of those six pointers already even though we're only what 10 games into a season it's a crucial game for both sides I believe um, your inability to score goals has been well documented. From the hardest field that I've watched, though, in recent weeks, OK, some of the defensive performance against Watford wasn't that great, but it's the sign of a team that's, that's quite close to clicking. And, and David Wagner has said this on a couple of occasions now. I don't feel like um, Huddersfield are a million miles away from, from finding some goals, whilst, yes, there's been a lack of potency. A little bit has been down to luck as well. Yeah, I totally agree with the luck. We In games, we seem to either get a keeper who's been on top form, so they'll make a half-decent save. I know at Watford, Ben Foster had to make three decent saves to keep them in the game. We also hit the crossbar a couple of times. Liverpool, we should have got more points out of that game, I believe. I thought we played very well. It's just our confidence when we concede that first goal, goal completely drains, like when we ever you watch us, the first 10 minutes, we're, we're like a steam train. If we don't score in the first 10 minutes, then for some reason our belief sort of goes. And then, well, when you defend like we did against Watford, it was like watching schoolboys trying to run around a football pitch, letting Pereira walk through like that. Is that goal looked worry. so amazing at the time. And then actually yeah. when you watched it back on the replay, you're thinking, how on earth has he scored that? Oh, um, yeah, when I was there, because I was there on Saturday, it was it was just horrible to watch. It was just like I put my head in my hands. It was just like he's not done anything special there. He's strolled through a defence basically just by 
knocking a ball in front of him and just running alongside it. It was just horrible. But that's where your attack probably will probably have a chance against us because as soon as you run at us, if you've got a bit of pace, we're scared. Yeah, so let's let's talk about the Huddersfield defence. It was so important for you last season. Why is it not quite so watertight this time around? Um, Well, it wasn't really watertight last season. It was just um, we managed to pick um, pick up goals early on in games and then we had something to fight for, where this season we've not picked up the early goal and I just think there's a little bit of weakness once once we don't have that so the confidence in the team we go a bit more defensive rather than believing in our actual cap- capabilities of scoring goals and I think because we come under so much constant pressure as you know with any defence as soon as you pressurise them for more than 10 minutes there's going to be a crack and teams are taking advantage of that this season all strikers in the Premier League have the quality to basically run through a defence if it's not what full not working fully basically um talk us through some of your key players of course someone like aaron moy is generally the the player that's kind of banded around when people are talking about um talented huddersfield players uh billing in the middle of the parks being quite effective for you this season what are the standout players that fulham fans should keep an eye out for well billing um he has a he has a long throw that i think we're trying to utilize quite a lot this season uh, we didn't really see it a lot last season, but um, it seems like our only way of scoring is through dead ball situations at the minute because um, well, all three of our goals have come at some point from um, a dead ball situation. We've only scored one in open play. Um, Moy, he's been a bit of disappointment this season. Um, he's, I think the World Cup has sort of, you know, not means he's a bit tired all the traveling has to do with games and all that he just seems a little bit not himself um if you can take pritchard out the game because we'll be playing four two three one if you take him out the game you we lose that link um between defense and attack he's normally um the one that makes things tick especially last season he he's like the bright spark in our team um there's not too many players, I would say, this season that you have to worry about when we go forward. Our wingers, just, I don't know. We've brought in some awful players this this this, this summer. Like Mbenza, I've, I don't know what he does. Um, Diacarbi, we haven't really seen much about him at the minute, but he can improve. And then Van La Parra, I, I didn't even like him in the championship. So how is he? How is he still at? The Premiership tied, I do not know. I didn't um, think it would be possible to find a fan of a Premier League team uh, more gloomy than Fulham at the moment, but it uh, looks like I've managed yeah. to uh, to stumble upon yeah. one. Uh, speaking of Fulham, what have you made of them, the times that you've seen them this season? Obviously, it's not been going great for us. We're conceding an average of three goals a game at the moment, so yeah. surely you must be quietly confident as a Huddersfield fan that you will get some goals on Monday. <laughs> Yeah, if, if we find our shooting boots, definitely. Um, I think I think you're a little bit gun ho with your with your attack. Like you're very attack heavy. Um, I think you leave your defence sort of very much disjointed. So I don't. There's not too much of a bridge of a gap between your. There's no sort of central player who just sits. I think you all go to get as many goals as possible, which in in the championship works because teams will buckle under that pressure 
um, where in the Premier League teams are a bit more canny and a little bit more there. If we score first, it's very much a game of whoever scores first, I believe, wins wins the game. Um, like Because obviously your record against us is quite good, I think. Um, especially two years ago in the Championship, you scored the first goal and then run absolute right in both games. Um, so I think we we are worried about your threat as Huddersfield fans as well because of two seasons ago. Um, yeah. But it's whoever scores first. My head my head tells me it's going to be a one all, but my heart says it's going to be a two one to Huddersfield. Cool. Well, stick your neck out on the line. What's what's your what's your final prediction then, as you've uh, just alluded to? As as a Huddersfield fan, it's got to be two one. Two one. Um, and, and best bit about a trip to the uh, John Smith Stadium? Oh, it's my first time up there. Yeah, the best part about John Smith at the minute is the atmosphere. Even though we're not particularly playing very well, there's a sense of unity. Um, whether uh, that continues if you score first or not, where you might see fans get disgruntled. But I know against bigger sides, we make it rocking. So hopefully on Monday night, That'll be the best atmosphere you'll probably see in the Premier League. Well, I'm looking forward to the game. It's a massive, massive one. Lee, uh, thank you for chatting to Fulhamish and uh, giving us your lowdown ahead of Monday's clash. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. Fulhamish has teamed up with One Football, the only football app that you need this season. Uh, you can get it on both the App Store and on Google Play. Using personalised news feeds, push notifications and a user-friendly interface, OneFootball makes it easy to keep up to date with the latest transfer news, scores and stats in one central place. Check out the OneFootball app and let us know what you think of it. Hi, I'm Collins John and you are listening to the Fulhamish Podcast. Welcome back to the Fulhamish Podcast. Sammy James here with Dom Betts, who is fresh from his train back from Manchester. How are you feeling? Well, fresh, you... Is, well, fresh is, is one word, mate. I wouldn't say fresh. Well, I was going to say, say, how su- are you feeling today? Yeah, I'd, I'd say surviving. Um, <laughs> when I first woke up this morning in the hotel, I was like, I'm in, I'm in a world of trouble. But uh, now I'm a bit better now. I had something to eat. I had a few, had a, had a few Lucas A's. You know, nothing on Lucas A can't sort out. So, yeah, feeling a bit more fresh, but yeah, definitely uh, felt better. Well, you've got another long trip on Monday, as have I, up to the John Smith Stadium. We're certainly doing our travelling, but I guess when the Premier League is so southern heavy, um, I imagine you're getting all the northern away days that you can whilst they're coming about. Well, yeah, because... if, you look, if you look at our schedule for the second half of the season, our last away above, well, Wolves is Burnley, and that's it. Which is and that's in January. And it's in January. Cause we, well, we got we got all, we got loads of London ones. Obviously, got Arsenal New Year's Day, but you got Palace. You've got to go to West Ham. Well, West Ham, exactly. I mean, yeah, you've only got you've got Wolves and Burnley. That's the only one sort of north of London. I mean, unless you're Callum Watford, but I mean, I'm you're going gonna to you're going to have withdrawal symptoms by the time April what? comes around. You'll be just indeed. desperate for a cheap northern pint and a pop world. Exactly, mate. I mean, I'm just going to... I'm just them to be living for the international break in March to England gets because it's just going to be so just... Well, what do I do? I mean, I'll probably, I'll probably save a lot more money. But, yes. I mean, because I've only got... Well, I think Burnley's only like northern, northern train left. I mean, yeah, I think we've got Leicester, but it's Leicester and Wolves and then that's, that's about it. The rest is sort of on the day trains or Oyster card sort of levels. But, uh, no, it should be a good it should be a good time on Monday night. Huddersfield's always good. Yeah, exactly. Well, um... 
Moving on from the Huddersfield game, uh, recently we've been bringing you a series of interviews that Dom and the guys over at Love Sport have been doing on their show, which is on Wednesday nights, 8.30pm until 10. Uh, and this week, Dom, you, you spoke to Liam Rossini. What a coup. Yeah, I mean, he's a great guy. Obviously, he's doing a lot of Sky Sports now, so he's actually he was a really good talker. He sort of spoke He spoke about, obviously, how he thinks Fulham are doing the season. We, we, we can stay up. I think he does. So he's, he's we'll talk about his time at the club and how he left the club. And yeah, he was a really nice guy and it was really good, really nice for me because he was one of my favorite players when I was growing up. So. Yeah, me too. I'll never, ever forget. I was at Man City the day that he did that clearance with his afro off the line, which I watched back several times since and I still don't understand the physics of how he got that ball over the bar and it was crucial it was our only away win that season and Liam Rossini was very much the man uh, that made it happen that day so uh, here is Liam chatting to Guy, Aaron, Dom and George Singer uh, and talking about adjusting to life in the Premier League I think this Fulham team at the moment are just going through a difficult time just adjusting I think the Premier League now as as a league is a lot stronger than it was back then but I still think Fulham have a really good chance of staying up in the division for sure in terms of my time at Fulham, we came up under Jean Tigana and obviously uh, Cookie took over, Chris Coleman, and we kept a lot of the good that Jean Tigana laid down at the football club in the terms of the way we played. We had really good defenders. We had the likes of Louis Saha up front, Lee Clark in midfield, top, top players, Steve Malbronk, Luis Boamorte. We had Edwin van der Sar in goal. So we had a real combination of good, solid defenders, but really attacking players with flair. And especially our home form at the cottage, we always seemed to win at home and we were really strong at home. And that was what kept us up in the league. How much of an influence was Leroy in for you coming to play Fulham? Because obviously you're from Wandsworth, but sort of you sort yeah. of went across to Bristol City and then came over to Fulham. My dad was my hero growing up. I wanted to be just like him. That started at the cottage. I was a young baby boy when he was at Fulham. There was always pictures of my dad up in the house of him in his Fulham shirt. So for me to join the club, make my Premier League debut was incredible. And I remember my debut walking off the pitch underneath the cottage where the dressing rooms were and seeing my dad's face. He was so proud and so happy. And that was a memory I'll never ever forget. Everyone remembers is when you made the goal on clearance with your afro. (laughs) Yeah. That City game was just a crazy game. It was a crazy game and we hadn't won away all season. We've been really close, but we haven't won away. And they were 1-0 up and we scored two late goals. And I think it was at 1-1 I cleared it off the line with the header. That was real high point. I just remember that day so clearly. We played really well. We had a really good team. Steve Malbronk scored the winner. And it was a really good time to be a part of Fulham. And it was a club I really enjoyed playing for. And that day summed it up for me. It was a wonderful day and something that will live long in memory. What other like standout matches do you have? One for me particularly, Fulham at home against Man U when um, Diop yeah. scored the absolute screamer. But yeah. I think you might have got man of the match in that game because you had Ronaldo in your back pocket for the whole game. Like, Yeah, that was my debut. So that was incredible. And as a kid growing up, I was brought up to be a Manchester United fan. So at the cottage, you know, you walk out from underneath the cottage, you walk across to the other side to shake hands. And it was just walking, that was surreal. That they had Roy Keane, Rooney, Ronaldo. It was just crazy. And I'm walking out thinking, I don't belong here. And I was so nervous. I was hyperventilating. Fortunately for me, it went really well. Got man of the match. We drew the game 1-1. And it was credit to Chris Coleman for, for having faith in me and putting me in and 
such a big game and it was just an amazing start for me. It was an incredible, incredible experience. When you left the club, I think it was at the summer of 2007 when obviously it was a swap deal between you, Selke, Hyena. I mean, I was quite annoyed at this time because I think you were one of my favourite players and I can't remember oh, why. Thank you. I think it might have been you were number seven, which is my favourite number. You had the afro. <laughs> I think I was in the Riverside, so you were often obviously running down by the Riverside stand. And how did that deal sort of come about? Because it wasn't like a massive sort of touted sort of swap deal. What happened was Chris Common left the club towards the end of the season and Laurie Sanchez came in and I think Fulham has always been a club that plays football in a certain way. The Jimmy Hill days, there's always been a certain way of the club has a really clear identity in the way that the football should be played. The attacking football, football played on the floor. That's why Savisa Jukanovic has done so well. Not very recently, but in the last few years, playing the Fulham way. And Laurie played in a way that was old school, crazy gang, 1980s football percentages, hit the ball long. And it just didn't fit well with me. I didn't feel that the club was moving in the right direction. And it was sad for me because I love Fulham as a football club. I still do. I still want them to do well. But I kind of sensed that, one, it didn't fit my style of play. I'm an attacking fullback that liked to get forward and he didn't want me to cross the halfway line. He wanted me to hit long balls into the box. And I just felt it wasn't going to work. And I didn't really want to be a part of that. To be fair, it was my biggest regret was leaving the club when I did because Laurie had left after three months and Roy Hodgson came in. And what a wonderful period that was for the club. I ended up moving to Reading. And on the last day, Fulham stayed up with the win at Portsmouth. And it meant we got relegated at Reading. So it was quite a bad experience for me in in terms of that. Because I had a great time at Fulham. Enjoyed every moment. And one of my biggest regrets in my career was the fact I didn't stay. That was a real turning point for us as, as a club, obviously, the years that followed with Roy Hodgson. Talk about you being a fullback. I mean, we've had our problems at fullback this season. Christie and Fossey Mentz has been in and out of team through injury. Christie was exposed a lot, particularly in the Arsenal game, where they got in behind him so much. The fullback roles changed. But what do you think Fulham fullbacks in the Premier League need to be doing? It's hard because it depends on the way that you play in the system. And in recent years, Fulham's fullbacks have been very adventurous and very attacking, especially in the Championship when you, you dominate possession and you absolutely dominate a team. So it allows your fullbacks to be more attacking. In the Premier League, you need to be a little bit more aware of your defensive responsibilities. You know, you've got Christie on one side and Sessegnon, who's moved back from wing to fullback. Especially Sessegnon, he's very young, he's learning his trade. It takes time. The art of, of playing fullback is something you get better at as time goes on with experience. But it's not just in terms of them. I think it's the way the team is structured. You need to make sure when teams are counter-attacking you, you're in good positions, you're not too high up the pitch. And maybe that's something that needs to be worked on in terms of the team structure rather than just looking at individuals. We were talking earlier about how throughout the season we've gone from a four at the back to a five at the back, seeing lots of different centre-back combinations. From a full-back's point of view, how is that a massive challenge with so much variation yeah. in the middle? Does it make it no, a big challenge think, or is it easy to... Yeah, uh, because back four play is all about your relationships with your other defenders and knowing their game, knowing their strengths and covering up their weaknesses. So if you look at the best teams, they all seem to have settled back fours. So finding that combination is key, especially in, in the Premier League when you've been promoted because you need to keep clean sheets, especially at home to win football matches. You can't rely on winning two goals to win every game because the quality of teams that are in the Premier League now, if they go goal up, they're more than good enough not only to go and win by two or three, but also to shut shop and see the game out. So that first goal is key. So keeping clean sheets is so important and having a settled back four is a massive part of that. People sort of said, obviously, when we signed so many players, or oh, Fulham, why have they spent so much money? Why have they signed 10 new players? But I think people forget often that we had obviously had 14 players. So do you think it was sort of hard for them to sort of please everyone? Everyone wanted to give them these sort of playoff final sort of heroes, their dues. But then you've got to look at trying to stay in the Premier League. Do you think it's just been hard to adapt? And do you think that's always going to happen when you lose the third team to go up? The difference between the top of the championship and the bottom half of the Premier League is not as big as what people 
people in the media make it out. You know, I spent most of my career either in the bottom half of the Premier League or the top half of the Championship. Having that momentum is key, and part of that is keeping those players that have earned the right to play in the Premier League. If you veer too far away from that, you lose your momentum, you lose your togetherness, you, you lose that winning habit. But obviously, you want to strengthen the squad as much as possible and then give yourself the best possible chance. So it's a really fine balance between being loyal and giving those players a chance and strengthening your squad, which obviously Fulham have done with the money they've spent. But if you look at clubs that have done well in, in years gone by, Burnley is struggling at the moment. But they kept a really strong core of their squad when we got promoted to Brighton. So our second season, we've still got eight players that played in the championship playing in our team at the moment. And we've won three games in a row. So I think you need to give players a chance. You need to keep the culture going at momentum. If you're getting promoted from the championship, you've earned every right to show what you can do at the next level. We spoke to uh, Michael Brown a few weeks ago about um, his time at Fulham. He's a very similar things about the way his departure from the club came about and he was disappointed to leave. But he also spoke a lot about Chris Coleman and what it was like playing yeah. under him. He's Amazing. A, a great manager to play under. Yeah, I was, I was wondering if you had anything to add, I don't know. He's an incredible guy, you know, and he had the car crash and it pretty much ended his career really early. But one thing about him was he was a fantastic man manager. He was a leader. He showed that as a captain, as a player. And I've got so much time for him because he gave me my chance at Premier League level you know he was someone who believed in me I'm so grateful to him for that and he was great to play for because he let you kind of get on with it he gave you the confidence to go and play and that was one of the reasons I left him because I was so upset when he left because at the time the budget had been cut drastically we were safe in the Premier League we were never going down that year and it really hurt me that he left the way he did and when he did because I thought he was a key part of Fulham and I thought it was a, just a bad time for him to leave the club the game on Monday night, the big one against Huddersfield. Obviously, it's our second sort of away six-pointer of the season. Obviously, we lost yeah. to Cardiff 4-2 earlier this month. And the last season we played Huddersfield, when obviously they went up and we lost in the playoff semis, we put nine goals past them, we've only put in one. I think, obviously, was it the worst defence against the worst attack? And I think everyone's sort of described it as, oh, it's going to be a terrible game. But I think this could actually be a really interesting game because both teams are going to need to get something from it. These are the games that keep you up. These are huge games. We learned that at Brighton last season and staying up. These are the games that you need to get something from. It's a 50-50 game for me. I think Huddersfield have started this last season really well. They took that momentum up from being promoted from the championship and maybe that's something that Fulham haven't done, but Fulham are more than capable of winning that game with the players they've got, with the threats they've got going forward. For me, the most important thing is that they concentrate on keeping that clean sheet because you've got the likes of Scherler, Mitrovic and, and top, top players going forward who can always get you a goal. I think they need to just be a little bit more conservative. They have every chance of winning that game. Well, lovely to hear from the main man himself, Liam Rossinia, on his times with Fulham, how they're adjusting to the Premier League as well. Dom, I'm loving these Love Sport interviews that you're managing to bag. You're getting better and better guests every week. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's, 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 I've got some Fulham numbers, but it's, they, the list is getting bigger. And yeah, we don't want to just get an ex-pro on for the sake of an ex-pro. But uh, yeah, Liam Racine was great. Uh, yeah, it, he's, he's top bloke. And I really love to sort of just meet him in person. And he, and he still sort of, he still spoke about his love for the club. And that's great to hear from someone who obviously left, what, over 10 years ago now. Well, make sure you check out Dom's Love Sports Show, 8.30 till 10 every single Wednesday night. If you're in London, you can listen on 5.5am on digital radio, or you can listen around the world on Love lovesportradio.com it's a great Wednesday night show and definitely check it out if you can so Dom uh, what are your plans for Monday how are you getting to Huddersfield on the train up to Leeds jump back off the hotel and then get us to Huddersfield for a few pints mate good stuff well um, I'm heading over from Manchester with some of the Manchester Fulham fans I think Jack's 
is going as well, Dom. So uh, massive, massive game. My first time to the John Smith Stadium, so it should be a good one. Uh, Make sure you check out George Singer's preview article, which should be up very shortly uh, before the whistle. And subscribe to the Fulhamish YouTube channel as well. Uh, We're going to do an on-the-road at the John Smith Stadium and there'll be plenty of other chats coming up on our social channels as well. So uh, let's round off the podcast. Don Betts, thank you very much for being here today. It's all right, mate. And uh, we will be back, I will be back on Monday evening doing a special podcast straight after the game with the aforementioned Jack Collins. Uh, And also next week, we've got some special episodes coming up. I'm going to be doing uh, a special World War I show uh, where I've been speaking to various Fulham people. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a tribute to some of the Fulham footballers that played during World War One, And I'm going to be doing a preview with the lads from the Anfield rap as well. So uh, looking ahead to Fulham's trip to Anfield on that one. So uh, we will see you next week. Have a good weekend and hopefully Fulham get the three points on Monday. See you later.